The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org or in person at Citizen, our nonprofit coffee shop and program space at 3636A North Mississippi Avenue. I'm Molly Jean Bennett. This week, we're speaking to another of the Willamette Week's 2017 Skidmore Prize winners. Today, we have a conversation with Tyler Termer of Cascade AIDS Project. This is Phil Bossy. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour and X-Ray FM and this is always a fun time of year when we get to speak to a number of Willamette Week Give Guide Skidmore Prize winners. Uh, these are nonprofit leaders uh, under 35 who are doing great work, who are standouts. I mean, it's there's a lot of amazing work being done by nonprofits and certainly pick up Willamette Week's Give Guide. It's 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 a great read and it's inspirational. Take some time to focus on the the Skidmore Prize winners. Tyler Termer is the executive director for Cascade AIDS Project. Uh, welcome. Thank you. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Let's start with your organization, and then, then we can talk a little bit more about the Skidmore Prize. Cascade AIDS Project, th- this is an organization that obviously had it at its center of its mission to work primarily with men who were HIV positive. And uh, yeah, yeah, jump, jump yeah. In. You, you tell the story. This is your organization. Yeah. So Cascade AIDS Project um, has been around for about 33 years. And we started just like most HIV service organizations in the country in a very difficult time in the LGBTQ movement. Uh, men, young men in particular, in the early 80s were getting very sick. And here in Oregon, a group of people came together in a living room um, of someone's home and created a system of support that over time has grown into Cascade AIDS Project. CAP is now um, the largest and oldest HIV service organization serving Oregon and Southwest Washington. And I want to talk about how some of the the services and and the the mission have expanded, but I, I do want to talk. I want to continue on about the beginnings because that was it was a really strange, frightening time. I I, I remember I moved to San Francisco in the early, very early '90s, and lived near the Castro District, and just uh, would talk with friends, and they would they would talk about. I mean, that that neighborhood was was decimated, um, hundreds, thousands of people in neighborhoods were were dying. Yeah, it was a very uh, a very different time uh, in the epidemic. We didn't know a lot about the disease. People were getting sick, and by the time we knew what was really going on, we were losing um, hundreds and thousands of people. And unfortunately, um, you know, I think all things sometimes come full circle. A lot of that had to do with the political times that we were in. We had an administration that wasn't willing to speak about the epidemic, that wasn't willing to acknowledge that this disease was impacting uh, the gay community. And it took years before the administration acknowledged and put any effort towards addressing this disease that was devastating the gay community. Uh, we, uh, in in some weird twist of fate, have landed back in a time where 
um, our community is under attack. Uh, we continue to worry about the support that our programs will receive in the future, especially over the next few years. And so we're hunkered down. We have seen dark days before, um, but we are here to serve the community um, now more than ever as a safe and empowering environment for those living with and affected by HIV. Along the, the terms of funding, I also think it would be really challenging, maybe maybe not specifically this year, but but even the previous, previous five or 10 years, AIDS has become a, a disease that is obviously still scary, but it's manageable. Yeah, HIV is now a long-term chronic illness. Um, you... If you are fortunate enough to have access to care and treatment in an affordable way, um, you are able to live a normal life expectancy. So I think it's natural that we've worked really hard in the epidemic to swing the pendulum in a way that um, reduces stigma and fear of the general community. But in some ways, the pendulum swung so far that people now don't think of it as a disease that is still happening in their communities. And it, while it is declining in some parts of the country, it definitely continues to disproportionately impact various communities. Those living in communities of color, um, low-income or underserved communities, uh, the transgender community are are devastated still by this epidemic being impacted in ways that their white counterparts aren't. Um, yet we don't continue to see the funding to support the resources they need to live long and managed lives. Yeah, I would, th- I would think that as part of your job in fundraising and keeping attention, that without that alarm and that urgency, that makes it a lot more difficult. It does. You know, I think not only um, as a an organization that is so mission focused, uh, but as as the disease changes, as people live longer lives and as people aren't um, hearing about HIV in the day to day media, on TV shows, uh, on the news, on the radio, uh, you you tend to focus on other things that are um, that are impacting our world. Uh, and that's important too. Uh, I think that we as a nonprofit community try and come together and figure out how do we best support one another without drawing too much from each other's donor base. But at the same time, we each have a unique set of of community that we're serving, and we have an obligation to figure out how to keep our doors open and our lights on. So we've had to be creative to figure out how do we as an organization continue to fill a gap in the community, but evolve in a way that makes sense and holds integrity to the mission by which we started. And and part of that is access to health care and insurance, which which obviously in the last year has become such a big topic of discussion. Uh, how is Cascade AIDS Project working with access to health care and um, support for insurance? Yeah, it's it's been a transformation for us. You know, the Affordable Care Act, when it rolled out, became a huge piece of our work. Our HIV prevention department saw growth in bringing on new insurance enrollment uh, staff that would focus on getting our community enrolled in the Oregon Health Plan and in the federal marketplace. Uh, just recently, we hosted Governor Kate Brown at our offices for the official kickoff event for open enrollment, hoping that Oregonians will... Um, have access during that period to get enrolled and, you know, have the health care that they need and deserve. That pillar of our work uh, through insurance enrollment has become even more important. Uh, with the Affordable Care Act, people living with HIV um, 
have a new unprecedented access to healthcare coverage. And we're able to finally be in a place where we see a light at the end of the tunnel and we feel like we've turned the tide of the epidemic. Tyler Turmer is the executive director for Cascade Aid Projects and winner of the Skidmore Prize, uh, part of Willamette Week's Give Guide, and, and seemingly an incredibly optimistic person. Uh, for the <laughs> for the most part, I try to be. I think it comes with um, with the job, but we're also in an exciting um, time in the epidemic, despite everything happening in the world around us. Um, we've arrived at a time and a place where we have a pill known as PrEP that can help prevent HIV infection. We now have the medical science that shows that if we get people onto care and treatment, if they have an undetectable viral load, they're no longer able to transmit the virus to others. We effectively have a functional cure for HIV, but we need people to have access to insurance. We need people to be able to afford their medications. I personally am a person living with HIV for the last 14 years of my life, and I'm fully aware that if I didn't have access to health care, that my medication would cost me $3,000 a month, 30 pills, $3,000 a month. There's no way that I could afford my medication without access to insurance coverage. And there are many Americans who are underinsured or um, have not yet been able to navigate their way towards insurance coverage. And even if they do, um, sometimes their plans aren't even affordable. So we're working every day to ensure that people have the access that they need, that we're advocating for Uh, drug prices that are reasonable and affordable for the patients that we care for, and trying to create a system, a safety net, really, for those who are living with the disease that aren't um, as fortunate. And Tyler, you brought in a song for us to play. I did. Uh, Lovely Day. By, 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 Bill, by Bill Withers, yes. And, right, which, which seems like a, a given Given your, uh, I'm going to categorize it as, as guarded optimism. Yeah. Uh, seems like a wonderful song choice. Let's take a listen. Sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be Always seems to know the way 
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. We're talking with the Willamette Week Give Guide Skidmore Prize winners who are uh, community leaders at nonprofits under the age 35. Tyler Turmer is executive director for Cascade Aid Project. We we talked some about the organization before song break. I want to talk a little bit more. How, how did you find out that you won the award? Yeah, I got an email from Willamette Week, um, and uh, I didn't even know I had been nominated. Um, honestly, I, I have known a, a few other Skidmore Prize winners in the past, and um, seems like an amazing honor to be um, recognized as uh, young, I guess, if, if I can still be categorized as, as a young professional working. I feel like I've been working for uh, forever at this point. Um, but I found out through an email and then had a great conversation with the folks at uh, Willamette Week and learned more both about the prize, the other recipients, and um, I'm just really excited to be recognized for the great work that the organization that I have the honor and privilege to lead is doing. I mean, I think um, I'm the one getting the award, but we have done such amazing things over the last three and a half years as a team, and I'm just so proud of all we've done. You know, and, and so you, you said you feel like you've been working for a long time. You have you have quite the uh, the resume. You started your work in Ohio. Um, how did you get started in this line of work? 
This was not my life plan by any stretch uh, of the imagination. My original path was in theater uh, design. So I was uh, studying my Bachelor of Fine Arts. And in March of 2004, I learned of my own HIV diagnosis. Uh, And I think a lot happened for me in that moment. Uh, There are several paths that someone with a life-changing diagnosis may go down. Um, But I was really approached with a really strong system of support from my local HIV organization um, until I was ready to come out to my family about my status and find that personal system of support. So as I grew in that um, kind of love bubble, I guess, of people wrapping around me, uh, I realized that the work that they were doing was changing lives and that in so many ways it was a part of saving my life. And I knew in that moment that I wanted to be a part of giving back to that community in some way. So I began working in the field and have been there ever since. And and along the way, you've had a few nods from the White House. Uh, 2011, uh, recognized as one of the nation's emerging LGBT leaders. 2012, and again in 2013, as an emerging young Black LGBT leader. Um, That's a very different political framework. I don't think you're going to get uh, a nod from the current White House. I don't think so. (laughs) You know, it's it's fascinating looking back. I remember um, getting that first award from the White House and the... It was the first time they had done um, that recognition for young LGBT leaders. And we were sitting in the backyard of the Naval Observatory around the pool with uh, Vice President Biden and his wife. I was sitting on his couch at one point petting his dog thinking, how in the world did I get to this place? And how did we get to this place where an administration is taking the time to recognize that um, LGBTQ people are important? and that they are making a difference in the same way and that we need to recognize them in the same way. So now fast forward um, to today's reality where um, I'm hoping that we don't lose those rights. Uh, it's, it's a very different time, and I think that we are, we're fighting every day just to, to maintain who we are as individuals. If you did have a few minutes with uh, Trump and you were sitting on his sofa petting a dog if he has one, <laughs> uh, what 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 would you say? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I don't know how you reason with the unreasonable. <laughs> and uh, I think it's unfortunate that we've arrived in a reality that no matter what I said, if I appealed to the the human side of him that um, may be in there that would understand my story or my perspective or the people whose lives we are changing every day through providing service here in Oregon, I would hope that he would hear those stories and it would it would change his perspective. Or if I applied to the the businessman that we all know and have seen on TV and uh, in the news, that he would see that the resources that are being provided, the progress that we've made are changing the epidemic, that it's saving uh, the averted ER costs, you know, trying to find some way to appeal to him. But I just, I genuinely don't know at this point that it's worth... um, the 
the extra fight at that level. So where we've taken our fight is to Congress. We're ensuring that everyone who is sitting in a chair, every elected official knows the importance of the budget that supports our programs and services. And that if there happens to be some executive order that comes out of the Trump White House, that we're doing everything in our power to stand strong against it. And now you 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 were working in D.C. I was. What what did you think you could do here in Portland that you couldn't do in D.C.? Why why the move? That's that's a good question too. I think um, I I loved my life in D.C. It's a very different pace of life by every stretch of the imagination. It's um, it's so fast moving, and you're in the heart of policy, and that is by every stretch of who I am, um, a big part of my life. I'm a big policy nerd. But I think uh, family has always been really important to me. And I moved away from D.C. briefly back to Ohio to help take care of a sick uh, grandfather. And in that time, I realized that while I was making this great change in D.C., it was definitely change that was slow moving. It was policy change that was going to take years to take effect. And I really thrived in the ability to bring change to the communities I was serving kind of in that moment. It was it was help, helping me understand why I was doing the work. It was driving my passion as a leader and I knew the former executive director of Cascadia's project. They always spoke so highly of of the organization, of its history, and of this community. I had never been to Portland, so I flew here uh, and did an interview in three solid days of rain, and my family thought I was crazy uh, for wanting to move here. But um, I fell in love with CAP when I came. It is such an amazing organization. It has a solid community of supporters that have been with us since the beginning and we couldn't do what we do without this community you know over 600 volunteers help cap thrive and survive as an organization each and every year and now part the willamette week's give guide uh runs through the holiday season here there's about 140 other organizations um all very worthy and doing good work what's what's your pitch that people should give their ten dollars or a hundred dollars to cascade aid projects cap instead of another organization hmm. well uh we're all great we're all a great cause so you know i wouldn't blame anyone for giving to anyone uh, other than cascade aids project but i think what makes cascade aids project unique is that we are an organization that is committed to being innovative and in surviving through the toughest of times. We are a 33-year-old organization that is uh, growing despite everything happening in the world around us. We um, have opened new offices just in the last year uh, in Southwest Washington and opened a brand new primary care practice serving the LGBTQ community uh, here in the region. As And that, that, that's PRISM Health? PRISM Health. Uh, it's the first comprehensive primary care clinic for the LGBTQ plus community here in Oregon and Southwest Washington. And why that's important uh, to me, um, both as a gay man and as the leader of Cascade AIDS Project, is 
there are so many people that I talk to in my community that have had a healthcare experience that was discriminatory, that they felt like they were explaining to their medical provider why they needed certain tests or why they didn't need uh, certain tests, uh, or that they found a really amazing healthcare provider but had to navigate a very difficult health system where a receptionist or a billing person misgendered them or um, didn't understand how to code their healthcare experience in a way that their insurance would pay for it. Prism Health offers a safe, non-judgmental, and culturally affirming healthcare experience where all of our staff are trained in the unique healthcare needs of the LGBTQ plus community, and it's designed by and for members of that community. And 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 tell me again, where the, the physical location of Prism Health? We're essentially at 23rd and Belmont uh, okay. in Southeast. Tyler Turmer is the executive director for Cascade Aid Projects and one of this year's Skidmore Prize winners that is part of Willamette Week's Give Guide. Congratulations and thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you for moving to Portland and and, and uh, giving a good shot in the arm uh, for, for new young leaders. Thanks so much. It's my uh, honor to be here in Portland. talking plant 
and a careful goat in a sewer system shaft. And I see, and I see, and I see, and I see, and I see. That was free translator by the books. The nonprofit happy hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change in KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is Molly Jean Bennett. Emily Curtis is our associate producer. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where our handle is Nonprofit Hour. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to molly at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers! <laughs>